My kids won't talk to me. I can't get them to engage in conversation. My teenager has shut down. We sit in the car in total silence. I ask them questions and their answer is, I don't know. Sound familiar? You have this conversation often with yourself? <laughs> well, it's one that I have often with moms as well. And very frequently, moms are struggling with the issue of, I can't get my preteen or my teenager to engage in conversation. I feel like I've tried everything. I ask them questions and they sit there. And then the answer that they respond with is, I don't know. Like, don't you want to say, really? You don't know? You have no thought, no idea, no comment back? It is very frustrating. And I want to tell you that I understand the, this very often happens in the preteen and teenage years. I understand that side of it. I also understand the parenting side of it. I've been the parent before too. But I've also been the therapist trying to work with this age group and this is where I learned some things that I want to share with you about how to change that dynamic, what's going on, understanding what's really happening, and how to work with what you've got and get it turned around just a smidge. Because here's the root of the issue for moms, is that we are taking it very personal. We are feeling rejected from that, and that is triggering that issue of oh my gosh, I'm starting to lose this relationship with my child. And I am fearful that it's like a downward slope from here. Like I'm not going to have that back. Because we know and remember our children when they were two, three, four, and five, and we were telling them to please give us a minute where they weren't talking. <laughs> and we just wanted to go to the bathroom by ourselves. And now we miss that connection because we feel them pulling away. And that is where this gets really sticky for parents, moms particularly. And I want to help you understand that, unpack that, and work with it so that you can get that dynamic changed in your thinking and changed within your home and your relationship with your preteens and your teenagers, because it is possible and understanding it is half the battle, but I've got some suggestions and things to try to help rebuild that connection again and that trust and confidence that you're craving and you're missing and most likely your teenager is too. Okay, give me just a minute. Let me do a quick introduction. I'll be right back and we will Welcome get this episode Welcome to the Uplift Effect podcast. This is Jill and I am the host and owner of the Uplift Effect Coaching and Consulting. I transform moms from and children from chaos to calm. That is my calling. It is what I love doing. And you are going to hear evidence of the two things that bring me to this podcast. First and probably most importantly, I am a mother of four children. And while they are not all tiny anymore, I have three teenagers at home, which, oh my goodness. And I have one uh, young adult that is in college. But the other thing is I come to this with a background uh, as a grief and trauma therapist and have spent years helping families in crisis. 
And if you're wondering about the V formation, the birds, the logo, head on back to the very first episode. It's a very cool story. It is well worth a listen, and it will help this all make much more sense. I am on social media, Facebook and Instagram. You can find me there. I also have a YouTube channel. Maybe that's how you're listening. But if you would like more information and how to work with me more directly to transform your chaos to calm, you can DM me through those avenues. Thank you so much for listening to the Uplift Effect podcast. Okay, so let's get this started. First of all, I want to normalize this situation just a little bit and help you understand or remind you that this is a very normal stage that teenagers, preteens find themselves in. We all know that as hormones kick in and, and, and things like that start to happen, they feel funky. They got some stuff going on on the inside and they don't really know what to do with it. It probably is a little embarrassing. And so there's a lot happening there. What we know about this stage of life is that they are often less open to their parents and more open to their peers. And that's just heartbreaking as a parent. It just is because that wasn't how things have been for the first 13 years of our uh, life with them. And there is a shift that starts to happen. It can be a very scary shift because we recognize that their peers often have more influence than, um, or it may feel that their peers have more influence than, than we have. The truth is, do not let that wreck your confidence. Unless there is really um, some abuse and neglect and some and terrible things that are happening within your home, most likely we still have a tremendous influence in our children's lives and that relationship is still very intact. It just feels a little different because what we're judging it on is the feedback that we're getting from them that we're used to having, which is communication. So and time spent together. So they may end up in their room a little bit more. They may feel a little more withdrawn. They come out and they eat and then they go back into their room. And try not to get too overly worked up about how that is making you uh, feel and, and wrecking your confidence. Don't panic that you're losing your child forever and that something must have gone wrong and you've ruined them. Um, very important to not take this as personal rejection and to recognize this as a fairly normal stage. Now, I'm not saying to just let them go and ignore them and let them be and not be touching base with them. I think it is a time in which we can lean into that, but we're going to have to do it in a way that's different than we've done before. Of course, I want to also say if you are suspicious that there are things that are going on with your child that are dangerous, that are signs and red flags of them getting involved in some things that are going to be detrimental uh, to their health and their well-being, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you just ignore that, okay? I'm not addressing that in this episode. I'm talking about just a normal, my child kind of seems to be more quiet. They're not as interested in talking to me. When I kind of 
you know, when I'm interacting with them, they give me very short answers and they just kind of don't seem to be their normal self. Um, so keep in mind, they are less open to their parents at this point and they are much more open to their peers. And for the most part, that's a pretty normal stage to be in. Okay, second thing. So why is it that they're not talking? Um, it's a stage and we've got to remember that we're going to get through it. But why are they not talking? Well, here's something that I really want to remind you of. We're usually doing all the talking. <laughs> and if you were on my social media this week, particularly Instagram reels, I talked specifically about this. You have to stop talking. They don't have to talk because we are talking. And here's the other reality of this situation. Most of the time, we are talking at them and not engaging with them. Let me say that again. Most often, we are talking at them and we are not engaging with them. As I have parents role play and talk back out scenarios in which they think that they are trying to engage their kid, what I hear is something that sounds a little bit more like lecturing. And we are very, very commonly uncomfortable with the silence. And so we begin to tell our children what we think about things. Because, oh, by the way, that's what we've been doing for 13 years, right? We've been guiding them, directing them, disciplining them, saying, hey, stop doing that. That's dangerous. You can't do that. And trying to redirect them always. Well, in these teenage years, we're going to have to start making some shifts. We've done a lot of redirecting. I'm not saying that we have to stop doing that, but we have to do it in a way that's different. We have to start engaging them and start getting them to participate in what's going on. So my first point was to understand that this wasn't per that this isn't personal and it's not rejection. It's very normal. The second thing is you have to stop talking <laughs> and start listening um, and, and quit talking at them. The third thing is there is a way to turn this around, but we've got to do it in a way that is neutral. And what I mean by that is the goal here is to build some trust and some confidence with your child that we can and will listen to them and we value their opinion. But we have to start it with something that's neutral. So the news is not lacking in any uh, material right now. Take something that's happening with the news. Ask your child about popular topics that are happen happening right now in our country. I'm not going to list them, but just turn on the news or the radio, <laughs> NPR, whatever, and just start getting an idea of what may be going on. Because here's the reality. Most of the time, what's happening in the news is also being discussed among their social peers as well as being addressed in some of their classrooms and some of the, the discussions that are happening at school. So in a very neutral way, 
I would, let me just role play with you for a second, say something like, you know, buddy, I heard this event that happened on the news today. Are you aware of it? Have you guys talked about it at school? They're probably just going to nod. <laughs> Let's go with the worst case scenario. They're probably just going to nod and say, you know, I was wondering, what do you think about that? Like, have you thought about it? And ask them open-ended questions. I'm curious what you think about that. I was wondering, what's your opinion about that? Here's another one. What do you think is really going on there? Here's another one. If they start to open up a little bit, continue the conversation by saying, that's very interesting. Can you tell me more about that? What else do you think about it? And by the way, if this is an area in which they still won't engage, if you just ask a general question about what do you think about it, one of the things that you can do is ask them what they know about it. So you can kind of play ignorant a little bit. Like, I didn't hear all of what happened. Um, I'm aware something happened like this, but I think I've missed some of it. What, what do you know about it? and ask them to fill in some blanks. You may already know it, but you're working at getting them to engage with you and to tell you and to find out um, what they know about the situation. What you are doing in this part three, <laughs> this exercise, is that you are listening and you are not talking. You are Communicating that you are hearing them and that you may give like some feedback things, uh, responses like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I understand that. Ah, oh, I get it. What else do you think is going on there? What about that other component of it? What about um, this other news station that's saying that? Like, what do you think about that? So you are engaging them in the conversation and you are uh, communicating to them that you are listening and that you are hearing what they say, you understand what they say, and you give short little snippets of validating what they are saying by saying things like, oh, I get that. Yeah, I understand. I hear what you're saying on that. And... You might even, if you're in total agreement of it, say um, something along the lines of like, you know, I am right there with you. I get that. So here's something that I really want to be sure that I communicate on this part. You are not giving them your thoughts, your opinion, your uh, feedback and in, in your personal um, thoughts about it. Not at all. Here's a reminder, they are not asking you your opinion, most likely. They're not asking for your thoughts. And so do not give them any of that. Because that's what actually is breaking down a lot of this communication is that we as parents very quickly go into lecture mode. <laughs> because 
we may be concerned about some of the things that they're saying. And I promise you, if you do not stop that, they are going to shut down. The point here is to allow them to talk and to share with you what they think. That's what you've asked for. But if you then turn the table and you start saying, well, wait a minute, hold on. What about this? Uh, Well, now you have totally changed that dynamic. And you're moving into lecture mode and you are now talking at them. You can't do that. You absolutely have got to refrain (laughs) at all costs from doing that. Let them talk. And if you do not agree with them, that's okay. Don't even communicate that. Just say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And you're communicating that you understand what they're communicating. You are not saying that you agree with them, but you understand what they're communicating. And you may also say, you know, thanks for sharing that. That probably... um felt a little vulnerable to tell me what you think about it, but I really appreciate you telling me what you think. I actually do value what you think. And I've been curious what you think about this all along. So here's the thing. You are going to do this multiple times. You are building and rebuilding some confidence in that relationship, some trust in that relationship that they believe and understand that you are valuing their opinion. And so what I want you to do is to just continue doing this. Now, at the end of that one of those little sessions, you can just say, like I said, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you being willing to tell me what you think because I really do value that. And then you move on to a different subject or you turn the radio on or talk about what the next, you know, the plans are for that afternoon or whatever, and you move on, change the subject, move on with, you know, something different. And you are taking short little snippets of time to invest in a conversation that you are facilitating, opening the door, hearing them, understanding them and validating them. And you are not going into lecture mode. You're not telling them what you think. And you're just providing them an opportunity that's safe for them to share what they think. Because here's the reality. We don't actually have to agree with them. They are their own person and they are preteens and teenagers. What they think now is going to be different from when they're 30. Let them work out how they are thinking of things And let that be okay. Now, if your child says something along the lines of, well, what do you think? You know, if I was really struggling with getting my child to open up, I would maybe refrain even still and say, you know what? I do have some thoughts, but actually for today, I was just really interested in what you thought about it. If they press you on it, you can just say, you know, I'm still deciding. I mean, I th- I'm concerned about this part of it. I hear what you're saying. So I, I, I think there's some validity to that too. But honestly, I, I'm not really sure. I haven't really fully made up my mind. Or maybe offer, um, you know, I'm still wrestling with this component of it. Ask them about that. 
I think there are ways to interact with them without giving them a lecture, without talking at them. If they ask for your thought, you can kind of still put it back on them to continue engaging them in it. You can bring up another side of a story. Say, hear what you're saying. You know, what about the other side of it? What do you think about this? And, and continue that on. So that is something that you want to keep doing for a period of time. Okay, moving along to number four. One of the things I think that is really, really important in this situation with our children is to become interested in what our children are interested in. Now, this is kind of funny because, you know, I have four kids. They are extremely different, all of them. And I have three boys and a girl. And so what my 23-year-old is talking about right now is very, very different than what my 13-year-old is talking about right now. Not only are they 10 years apart in age, they are different genders. (laughs) So all in a course of a day, I am talking about college, job interviews, um, relationships with bosses and how to interact with some situations that are happening with my son's place of employment. And yet then I'm talking to my next son about um, what's happening on the baseball field and maybe with his girlfriend and what their plans are for the weekend. And then my third son, who is very driven about what he's going to do when he grows up and whether he's going to be a pilot or, or an engineer and is extremely interested in engines and vehicles. I mean, he spends hours watching YouTube and understands what engine is in any kind of sports car. It is incredible. And so I listen to hours of conversation about something that honestly, I don't care one thing about. (laughs) I really don't care, nor do I know about any of those things involved with an engine, but he wouldn't know it. And so I spend a lot of time involved in those kinds of things. Uh, with my fourth child, it's a little bit different. She's a little bit quieter. And so it's going to be um, a little bit more about, for instance, during swim season and about what's kind of going on with that. And what did coach say to you about that? And, and what's going on with your teachers at school? And what did they say about that project? And what's happening with your friends in that? Here's something else that has been very, very valuable for me in my home. Um, is that my kids really, really love things that are funny. And so we spend time listening to Comedy Hour, uh, to Comedy TV, to, unfortunately, Kevin Hart. (laughs) And though it can be rude and crude, and, and sometimes it's just like, oh my goodness. But they find it so funny. And when I engage in them with that, it really, really helps the relationship because we can have very, very funny one-liners that we throw back and forth with each other because that's something I am investing in with them because they are interested in. Okay, I got one more thing, number five. Do not forget the power of story. Most kids love to hear stories about themselves when they were little, funny things, silly things that they did. They love to hear funny stories about what you have done, what their parents have done, what they were like when they were kids, what their grandparents were like when they were kids. And they like to hear um, 
the funny things, the telling on ourselves, like stupid things that we did, mistakes we made, awkward situations, like our most embarrassing moment, you know, all those kinds of things. Usually kids will engage in that kind of thing and they will um, find that pretty funny. They will find that interesting. And so power of story is really, really a great way to get them engaged, especially if it's stories about them when they were little and funny things they have done, funny things they have said, or even just their birth story, how they came into the world. Give those things a try and see what happens. But I want to leave you with a few final thoughts. Keep in mind that in in all of this, we're working with preteens and teenagers. So know your kid. If you're trying to do this at 7.30 in the morning on your way to school, when they're not really a morning person, it's not going to happen. You're going to be frustrated. They're going to be frustrated. And you're probably going to dig yourself a little deeper in the hole. If they're not a night person, it's going to be challenging. If they're really tired and they just got done with a full day and testing and ACTs and a ball game and all of this, like probably not the right time. So keep in mind the personality of your child, the time of day that you're doing this. Um, For some of my kids, (laughs) um, if they're hungry, you can forget it. Like none of this is going to go well if they need to eat. Now, after they've eaten all is well, it's, it's all a go. But if your children are not in a great state of mind, it is going to be challenging. The other thing I want to remind you of is that if you try some of these things and they still kind of shut it down, do not give up. All right, because they're going, hmm, this is weird. Mom doesn't do this. This isn't normal. And so they might reject it just because it's not normal and they don't really know what your motivation is yet. And so keep on, let it go. Try a few little questions and just say, okay, sounds like you're not really interested in, in chatting for the time. That's fine. No problem. And and don't have an attitude about it. Just say, that's okay. No problem. Work at it again in a, in a day or two and Be looking for opportunities to engage them in things that are going on. So keep on with it because they might not know what to do with this if it's a sudden change, right? Do not give up. Do not lose hope. This is a very common, normal thing that happens. And I will tell you something. I learned a lot of these skills because, as I have mentioned, I came... um, in background as a grief and trauma therapist. And so I worked with children who had been sexually abused, physically abused, um, or have suffered severe neglect. And I did therapy with them. Talk about awkward conversations. Like I had to really learn to engage with particularly preteens and teenagers about things that they weren't wanting to talk about. (laughs) And particularly when it was me with a, a male uh, preteen or teen. Here's one thing that I did that really, really helped in that dynamic. And it can happen. Uh, I did it with kids, too, who are very resistant to conversation. You know, if you're just sitting in a room looking at each other, it's awkward. I would take them outside. And for the little kids, I would push them on a swing so they weren't even having to look at me face to face. 
Um, and I would engage them in conversation while we were swinging. I would be swinging next to them or I'd be pushing them on a swing. For some kids, we played basketball. And so we were playing around a horse or whatever. And I'm asking these questions and engaging them. Again, we're busy doing things. So it's not like we're having to look at each other. Or I threw baseball with them. And I'm telling you, my shoulder is probably still not recovered. And that was years ago. <laughs> because I had some boys that unless we were throwing ball back and forth, they were not going to really talk to me. We used sidewalk chalk a lot. And we would just be coloring and, and doing big body movements of sidewalk chalk. We would uh, very artsy, creative kinds of stuff. And I would engage them in conversation when we were busy doing other things. So Play-Doh, coloring, um, again, the sidewalk chalk outside. There was even a scenario, a time when a bird came up um, on an area, on a patio that I was with, with a kid. And I asked that kid what the bird, what do you think that bird is saying? And it was a profound moment in counseling because the child was able to tell me what was going on with that child in third person using the bird. Like this bird was just like, wah, 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 wah. and I was like, golly, that bird is really noisy. I wonder what that bird is trying to say. And she began to tell me actually what I believe was her story all along that she couldn't tell me. So be really creative with your kids um, and find ways to engage them in ways that aren't just sitting on the couch because they're just not going to talk to you like that. In the car is a great, uh, a great way to do it. But when you are doing creative things, um, find opportunities to engage your kids when they don't have to just sit and look at you face to face. It works out so much better. All right. That's what I got for today. I hope that has given you some creative ideas, some um, things to think about and ways to begin just chipping away a little bit at a time and making some progress because all it takes is just a little bit. What you're wanting to do is to build trust and some confidence that you actually care what they think that you want to hear their opinion, and that even if their opinion is different from yours, that that is okay. They're not used to thinking that because that hasn't been the case actually in the past. We've been correcting them in their behavior. We've got to move to a place where their opinion and what they think about some social things that's going on in the world and whatever that they can have a different opinion from us and that that's okay and that we respect that. It's a new thing. It's a different thing. And I think you will really find that the relationship can start to change and navigate in a new direction when they begin to feel respected by you. All right. I hope you have a fantastic week, everybody. I will talk to you again next Monday. And once again, I'm going to put a shameless plug. Please uh, subscribe, comment, thumbs up, stars, whatever it is on the social media site that you are listening to this on. That helps me a ton to be able to continue giving this message and these um, episodes to moms who are in need. The other thing is go to my Facebook page. I will provide a link and use the first link, the bit.ly link, 
and I will send you a free PDF on how to chill the crap out so you don't lose your crap on your kids. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, feedback, I would love to hear it. Please DM me and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.